Hello, I'm Todd Starnes, lead pastor of Odessa First Assembly, and I'm grateful that you joined us today. I hope and pray that this message will encourage you and bless you. And remember, you can find more information about us at odessafirstassembly.com. God bless you. Before we even get started, and if you hear nothing else I say for the next few moments, I want you to listen to this, is that if don't take your cues of love from the world, don't take your cues of love from the world, definitely don't take it from a song you danced to in junior high, don't take it from whatever the next greatest whoever country star is, do not take your cues from those songs or or the way the world see things. So many are asking, you know, there's another song that uh, uh, maybe you'll recognize, but I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. I want to feel what love is. Anybody remember that song at all? You know, uh, <laughs> you know, by Foreigner. But, uh, you know, there's so many people asking really what love is. And I'm going to tell you, us as believers, us as the church, we have this book. We have, it's called a Bible, it's 66 books, and all through that gives us the correct definition of what love is. Love has an impact on our emotions, and that is okay. So many times we talk about, or I've said, if you've ever heard me preach on love, that love is a choice. Love is a choice, we're going to talk about that, but it's okay. The, the emotional part of love is okay. It's not a negative unless the only thing you experience about love is the emotional part of love. Love is so much grander, so much, so much larger than just an emotion that we feel. The emotional part of love is not wrong unless it's the only part of love that you experience. And I would dare say uh, there's a lot of marriages and really the only thing they experience is the emotion part of love and really don't have an understanding of what love is. Love has, is as much as an emotional state, but it's so much more than that. As I look, looking at the world or our church, even in believers, I see people that don't know what love is, that do not know how to love a spouse, do not know how to love their children, do not know how to love their parents, don't know how to love in, in relationships and friendships or family or even church family. The body of Christ is full of parents estranged from their children, grandparents who have never seen their grandchildren, family members written off because they live by a different standard or a political stance or a different belief system. You know, and one thing that I really don't like doing at any time, you know, sometimes you've got to, I don't know, it's kind of like the, the small print, I think. You know, it's like we live in a day and age that you have to try to, you know, so many ways cover all of your bases. And sometimes when I give kind of like that, the small print, that I don't feel like I really need to give in a sermon, but I give it anyway because invariably, you know, when any time of communication, there's always what's said or what, what is meant to be said, what's said, and then what's heard. You know, it's always, there's always kind of three different things going on. And, but it reminds me of, you know, the medication commercials. You know what I'm talking about? They do the medication commercials, and then it's like three quarters of the commercial is side effects. 
You know, I think like, you know, on allergy medication, you know, they're, they're in their little, you know, oh, there's all these people loving life and living, and then it says, oh, you got to be careful of dry mouth, drowsiness, dizziness, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, restlessness, moodiness, trouble, peeing, not being able to pee, blurred vision, confusion, athletes, and they give all this whole list of things, and it's like, and, you know, sometimes in sermons, I kind of feel like that, so I, at some point, I'm, in, in the next few weeks, we're going to dive into some depths of the subject of love, but understand as when I'm talking about loving unconditionally and this love that we have for one another, I'm not saying that you have to stay in relationships that are abuses. I'm not saying that uh, you have to love people unconditionally when there's physical and emotional harm taking place. I have had deep wounds in my life, and some I'm going to talk about right now, and those wounds have left scars. I have forgiven I can pray for them. I mean, if I even run into them somewhere, which I have, I can even hug them and, act, and, and move on with life. It doesn't mean that in, if there's an unhealthy thing happening, they have to have a significant part of our life. It's okay to have those barriers. But listen, love is an emotion. Love is a choice. Love is trust. Love is forgiving. Love is thinks about others. Love is sacrificial. All through Scripture, we see the importance of love. I mean, there's, I mean, think about it. In, when you look at Scripture, there's two chapters. One is pretty much based entirely on faith, Hebrews 11. And there's another one that's really based on love, 1 Corinthians 13. There's no other chapters like that. And so that tells me the importance of it. And so when you look at 1 Corinthians 13, beginning in verse 4, it tells us love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. I may slow down as I read this. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things things, endures all things. Love never ends. Love never ends. And then you skip down to verse 13, and it really kind of sums this whole chapter up. So now there is faith and hope and love, these three, but the greatest of these is what? Is love. So this morning, what I want to do is I really kind of just want to take one verse, and I want us to kind of look at it. Matter of fact, when you leave here, if you don't know this verse, I'm going to refer to this verse so many times, you're going to commit it to your memory as you leave. But it's 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 8, and it says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Now, we're going to get to that last part, but that last part is usually what brings up a lot of questions when we read that. Have you ever read, what does it mean by love covers a multitude of sins? What is that talking about? We're going to kind of break that apart a little bit this morning. But to really understand those words, above all, because that's where it begins, above all. I mean, before we look at the rest of the verse, above all. 
even just the, the when you have to look at the entire letter of what Peter is writing. I just want to remind you, just very simply again, is that whenever you look at Scripture and you want to gain the meaning out of what that Scripture means, that verse, it has to be in context, right? We have to understand who wrote it, when they wrote it, why they wrote it, and to who they wrote it. And so whenever you're looking at Scripture, it, because if you make a judgment based on the meaning of what a passage means, and you don't understand those four things, most likely you're going to get the interpretation of what that passage is wrong. Do you hear me this morning? That was a very good Bible lesson, very quick. So what's happening in 1 Peter? I mean, really, the, the simplicity of it is this. 1 Peter has a very specific theme. The world acts this way. God wants you to act. I'm saying acts. Acts. Right. Okay. This way. Yeah. Okay. We're. It's been a long week. The world acts this way. God wants you to. And you're like, wasn't well, that what the Bible is? I mean, it, well, yeah, in a way, I guess it is. But First Peter is really coming down and really making a division. Okay, here's how the world responds to things. Here, as believers, here's how we're supposed to respond. But it doesn't stop there. He even talks about in First Peter, the family that does not act like Christ acts in this way. But since you know Christ, here how, here's how your family unit Husbands, wives, children, here's how you're supposed to act. And all of this is happening because it's bringing up uh, relationship issues because of persecution. Peter's really writing, he's telling the church, okay, persecution, this is where persecution really is first beginning uh, to, the, to the Christians in the first century uh, when Peter's writing here. And he's saying, okay, the fire is being turned up. And when the fire is turned up, there's things that kind of, the ugly shows sometimes in us. And so when the ugly shows, don't respond like the world, but respond like Jesus. When you're, and, and how many of you know, there, there's no, sometimes no greater furnace of affliction than in when we're at our home address, right? And he's saying, okay, even when you're behind your closed doors, uh, that furnace is going to be turned up, and you may respond to your children or to your spouse in a way that you normally wouldn't respond, but remember, even, even to your children and to your spouse, respond like Jesus would. I, when, I was, when me and Andrew was first married and... and uh, uh, it, you know, I'm, I'm kind of hard-headed. It takes, me, it takes a few times for me to understand things sometimes. And, uh, and Angela would say so often, she would say, uh, you don't talk to me the way you talk to your friends. You talk to me pretty harshly sometimes, and then you turn right around, and you can be very cordial to a stranger you don't even know. And she would tell me things like in different ways. And finally, one time I was like, oh, I'm, I'm starting to get it now. You see, when we're dealing with one another, we, you know, and sometimes that's, I mean, that's kind of what Peter's saying here is, is that you, you make sure when you're with your family, when your family unit, that you're responding with the same kind of grace you would to anybody else. Do you hear me this morning? This is good preaching. I hope you're saying amen online. So let me, let, let's talk about it even more a little this way. That in the midst of suffering, to, to love each other. In the midst of persecution, love each other. In the middle of the hurt, love each other. In the middle of the storm, love each other. And uh, yeah, we're talking about 
spouse and family, but also as a church family, as one another, because Peter's addressing that too. And so we see that when we read 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient. I mean, so if love is something, it means it's holy that. Did that, did you hear what I said? When, 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 because see, God is what? I said, God is what? God is love. Scripture tells us that. And so what we understand, what we call those things are attributes. But God is equal in every one of his attributes, whether it be love or justice or forgiveness or mercy or whatever it is, God is equal. If he was less in any one of those attributes, then he would not be God. And so it's kind of the same way when the Bible is telling us love is this. So love is patience. So let me ask you a question. Is there an end? Should there be an end to our patience if that's what love is? Uh, it says, and kind. Do you think that there is an end to kindness if love is kind? Do you think that, uh, uh, do you think that love wants to see people fail? Love does not envy or boast. Matter of fact, we should celebrate and be grateful when others succeed, even ahead of us. It's not arrogant or rude. If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. I like how it says that. You know, when I was, I kind of went over to the, to the message and it, it, it helps us with 1 Corinthians 13 because it uses these different words of exclamation that kind of, you know, help, this helps it come alive more. And so when you look at the message in 1 Corinthians 13, you see that love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. Love doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, I won't look at anybody, doesn't, look at this one, doesn't keep score of the sins of others. And here in a second we're fixing again to how does love cover a multitude of sins? Doesn't revel when others grovel. Doesn't, it, it takes pleasure in the flowering, the exposing, is what the, the flowering of truth. Puts up with anything. I'd like to, would you like to erase that one? Always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going till the end. And what I want to say this, above all, I mean, we look at 1 Peter, above all, love. Above all, above hurt, love. Above misconceptions, love. Above presumptions, love. So what am I saying is, is that, you know, there's a lot of times we have an encounter with somebody, and we, did you know that sometimes you just misunderstand people? Did you know sometimes you may not have heard the whole story, only a part of it, you hear that part of it, and what happens so many times is we get our feelings hurt and we get offended. But see, when love is in action, 
when love is in force in our life, then what happens is we hear the little part of the story, and even though what we just heard, that's a little segment of it, we choose to love. Do you know how that would transform our relationships? I'm, I'm going to get excited, and y'all need to help me. I think it's good stuff. Above, above conflict, love. I mean, we can go all through Scripture with Above betrayal, love. I mean, I, you know, I posted that on, and I'm going to actually deal with some of that in the weeks to come. But I was thinking about when I wrote, I don't know if you saw what I wrote on social media, about if you knew in advance somebody was going to betray you, would you still love them? Jesus did. Jesus did with Judas. Matter of fact, it came to the point that even Jesus, I mean, do you love him enough? Is there enough love there that you can even say, you know what, I know that you're going to betray me. Go ahead and do what you need to do. I mean, Jesus put up no guard. Above problems, love. But for that to work, we must have an understanding above love. Choose love above all. Do you remember the story of Joseph? I, uh, if, you're, if you're watching online or wherever, if you don't know the story of Joseph, you can go to the, the latter part of Genesis and read all about Joseph and his brothers and all that takes place. But if I could just sum it up very quickly and, and very briefly. Um, Jacob, so here's, here's uh, Jacob and Rachel and uh, you know, a lot of weird things happen there of like, you know, hey, you know, sleep with the maid so I can have kids. I mean, I'll kind of, you know, anyway, um, I'll keep it PG. So, but anyway, the, so there's, there's Jacob and Rachel. And so finally they have Joseph. They have Joseph. And so Jacob really loved, matter of fact, Jacob showed extra affection to Joseph. And, and um, Jacob was old when Joseph was born and even made him his own special coat, right? Joseph in the coat of many colors. And so Joseph gets this coat and none of his brothers got a coat like that. And so what do you think caused there? That caused a lot of hurt and a lot of jealousy. And then Joseph starts to have these dreams about these wheat stalks, these 11, or thir- these wheat stalks bowing down. And he's like, oh yeah, one day you guys are going to bow. I mean, any big brother, who's a big brother? Any big brothers? And I mean, what would you say your little brother? Oh, one day you're going to bow. I, you wouldn't respond too well, I don't think. And then he has this other one about the stars and the sun and the moon bowing to him. And of course, none of this is really received that well. And one day, these, his, brothers, his, his brothers see an opportunity. He, and so they, they throw him into a pit. And they really intended on murdering Joseph. But one of the brothers kind of talked him out of it. So they sell him into slavery. They sell him to slavery, and so then he's serving uh, the best he can, and then what happens? He gets falsely accused, uh, Potiphar's wife, he gets he falsely accused. That, I mean, matter of fact, she tells that you know, he tried to rape her and when he was turning away from her advances, and so then he's thrown into prison, and then he's forgotten about in prison, and there's this little glimmer of hope where he interprets these dreams for these two guys, and, uh, and, and then he's forgotten about again, but he finally gets the opportunity, and he stands before Pharaoh. He interprets a dream. Pharaoh puts him second in command. He's, he's, he's leading the charge to protect the nation from the, uh, the famine. And because of the famine, here some now 17 or so years later, his brothers show up, the ones that sold him into slavery, 
the ones that uh, you know, wanted to kill him, lied to his father about what happened to him. I mean, when we've been hurt, it is our instinct to hurt back. That's the way, that's the way that we're wired. But look at Joseph's response in Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they, as, as they are today. God never wastes a hurt and many times turns our greatest hurt into our greatest ministry. But the, it, the thing is we have to respond correctly. I mean, it was within Joseph's hand to do something to his brothers. And no Egyptian would have even cared or, or thought about it a, a second time. He could have withheld food for them. He could have jailed them. He could have done whatever he wanted to do to them. But instead, he, think about it. I mean, his brother sold him into slavery. And he responded with giving them, yeah, there was a, there was a process there, but anything and everything they needed. You have to refuse to be bitter. You have to refuse to be angry. You have to refuse to get even. God will raise you up and use the worst that has been done to you for his glory if you just give it all to him and above all love. 1 Peter 4, 8, above all, what does it say next? Keep loving one another earnestly. Keep loving one another earnestly. Rejection, keep loving. Hurt, keep loving. Betrayed, keep loving. Lied to, keep loving. Gossiped about, keep loving. In a storm, keep loving. In doubt, keep loving. Uh, so, rejection, keep loving. Hurt, keep loving. Betrayed, keep loving. Lied to, keep loving. Gossiped about, keep loving. In a storm, keep loving. In doubt, keep loving. Keep loving one another earnestly means a sustained, listen, listen, eager, earnest love. Eager. So think about, above all, keep loving earnestly. Keep searching out ways to love those that persecute you, is what Peter was writing. Think about that for a moment. Above all, keep loving earnestly. There may be things that happen and hurts happen and, and, and issues that happen. And Peter is saying, in the midst of all of that junk, earnestly love. Be eager to do it, not withdrawn, not to try. You know what we do? We get hurt. What do we do? We build up the walls. We get hurt. We build up the walls. But what is Peter saying? No, 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 no. Don't build the wall up. Look how to build the bridge. Boy, that was a good, that was a good one right there. That wouldn't even, I didn't even write that down. Somebody write it down so I can have it later. The, the word love here, it's a, fer, it's a fervent love. I mean, I, I'm, a, I, I'm a word picture guy. I like, I like you know, I, I imagine things in my head. And so this love is talking to, to keep loving earnestly. One, one way you could describe it is this way. It, it talks about this eagerness, this intensity. It's, it's the same word picture of an athlete training to reach their goal. 
that no matter the pain they have to go through, no matter the resistance they face, I mean, right, because if you're going to excel in anything, what do you have to do? You have to move beyond the mistakes. I mean, even just recently, Kaylee, she's taking piano lessons. She, she, she was practicing, kept coming to the spot and, you know, mess up, and, and she'd stop, and she'd mess up, and she'd stop. And I thought, it's like, I, I remember that. I remember when I was in band way back in the day in high school, and I had the same problem. And I was, I was playing my trombone, and I'd mess up, and I'd stop. I'd, I'd mess up, and I'd stop. I'd mess up, and I'd stop. And finally, my band director, he said, Todd, he said, if you would just play through the mistake, you would get past it. What a value to live by. When believers experience deep love from a church family, they have the community of support that can help them through any crisis. I want to say that again. When believers experience deep love from a church family, they have the community of support that can help them through any crisis. The Bible tells in John chapter 13 and verse 34, a new commandment I give to you that love one another just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. Listen to me. I, we're at a place, I know that, uh, you know, I, whether the new normal, whatever, whatever the, the, where we are in, in, in the pandemic and COVID and all that kind of stuff, there's one thing I'm really grateful for. And I've said this before, but I'm going to really emphasize it right now. I want, and if you're watching online and, and you in the room, I want you to listen to your pastor very, very closely. And that is this. You know, there are things the way we used to do that I miss. I miss Wednesday nights. I miss our meal that we had on Wednesday nights. I do. I miss that time we had together that we're all in that room. I do. But I'm going to tell you what. I'm grateful for the pandemic because it broke us out of a rut. We were never going to grow beyond that. And I'm going to listen to me. For the foreseeable future, even after the pandemic, we are not going back to that. Why? Because I'm going to tell you where, where I'm seeing quality, effective, deep relationships and ministry happen is in connect groups. And if you feel at all disconnected or removed and I'm going to tell you what you need to do is plug into a connect group. I'm going to tell you, I, you know, Melissa was plugged in. Melissa and Danny were plugged. She was plugged into two different connect groups. And, and Danny, you know, they, they went on Monday nights and she came on Wednesday nights. And I'm going to tell you, I don't know how our church could have navigated if it wasn't for connect groups. I don't. If you want that meaningful relationship that's going to be where it's going. We, we capped Wednesday nights out. We were not going to get more. I mean, when we'd hit that, we'd get about 120 on in here on Wednesday night. We weren't going to grow beyond that. We've seen it over and over and over a several, over eight years we saw it. So how, the only way to change to be more effective is to do something different. And the pandemic gave us that. And I'm, for that, I'm grateful. So here's my challenge to you right now is call somebody out of the blue. Maybe somebody that you've never called before. Go to lunch with somebody you've never invited to lunch before. Have a game night with someone outside of your normal circle. 
ask somebody how they were doing, but just not in a, hey, how you doing? And then, oh, yeah, see you later. But say, no, 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 really, how are you doing? Is there anything I can pray with you about? Is there anything that you need to talk about? And the last thing as we kind of wrap up this morning is this, is that choose to move forward with love. Choose to move forward to love. We see the scripture in 1 Peter 4, 8, above all, keep one, loving one another earnestly. And then we see since love covers a multitude of sins. You know what Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 12 tells us? Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. Those are powerful promises that we see in Scripture. And I'm going to tell you, because what happens so many times is we get hurt. And I mean, well, we just have a knee-jerk reaction. We have a knee-jerk reaction on, on whatever happens. And I, and I, I have been through, in many ways, deep hurt, just like anybody else has. And you know, and some just publicly, and because especially being stream, I don't want to talk about. But you know, when I was first in ministry, I worked for a pastor, and this pastor really became a spiritual father to me. I mean, it, I, I don't know how else to describe it. I mean, I, I did everything with his family. I mean, every day at lunch, I went to their house. I had supper most week, most nights at their house. I mean, we were in the office every every time we were. I mean, we went on trips together. I, I, he was a mentor to me and a a spiritual father. And uh, you know what? And, and I, some of the greatest times of ministry, of, of learning how to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and, and even that was under his ministry. And, and we had a very tight and close relationship, but some things happened that really degraded our relationship. And, 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 and some of it was my fault, if not a lot of it was my fault. But because of some mistakes made and, and conversations, some real deep hurt began to settle in. And, and worse came to worse. And, and um, even he was uh, doing things from the pulpit. And, you know, and I would see how he's treating people. And then I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get the magnifying glass out, right? I mean, because there, there was some hurt there, and I started magnifying things and, and making excuses for things. And it came to a point that finally the Lord released me, and so I left there. And, and sometime later, I was youth pastoring somewhere else. And I'll never forget, I came out from youth service, and out in the parking lot were all my former students from that church. And, I mean, immediately I knew. I mean, I'm not the smartest, the sharpest tool in the shed, but I'm like, this ain't good. And I walk out in the parking lot, and that, I mean, my youth group's there. I mean, they're coming from a different town to meet me after I walk out from a Wednesday night service. And they're like, PT, we got to tell you what's going on. I'm like, I don't know if I want to know what's going on, you know. And he's like, you know, Pastor, he, I mean, he told the whole church, he's been announcing for several services now that we are not to have anything to do with you, that you're demon-possessed, and that we, can't, we shouldn't even be around you, shouldn't talk to you. And you talk about, I mean, pouring salt on the wound. That pours salt on the wound. I wish I could say that, you know, I responded right and I spoke truth and life and wisdom to those students, but I'm going to tell you, I did not. And I think of so many times and how that marked my relationship, especially with pastors. It took a long time for me to ever, I'm, listen, I, I was in a little different position than what you are. I worked for them. 
but I didn't trust them. And there's many times that, man, if they made a mistake, man, I want to make sure people knew. Man, well, if I was him, this is what I would do. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Love does not condone sin. If we love somebody, we'll be grieved when they fall. If we, if we love somebody when they fall into sin, we'll, we'll hurt. But love covers sin. That is the love that motivates us to protect those. And I'm talking specifically with our fellowship that protects us within our church, within the body of Christ, within believers. Our love for one another is what covers sin. It's what protects them. I've said so many times, it's not original to me, I don't know who originally said it, but the church is really good at shooting its wounded. Somebody messes up, somebody, I'm going to tell you, spouses are good at shooting one another. I mean hurting one another intentionally because there's hurt there. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 11, 13, whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, but he who is a trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. Proverbs 17, 9, whoever covers an offense seeks what? Whoever covers an offense seeks what? Love. But he who repeats a matter separates close friends. How many times have you seen that lived out? 1 Peter 2.1, so put away malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all the slander. Sometimes we try to make our gossip sound spiritual by telling people so they'll pray more intelligently. No one can hide his sins from God, but as believers, I'm going to tell you, we ought to try. Because the scriptures actually reveal to us how we handle offense. And it's actually the third step in the process to make something public. The Bible says if I'm offended at you, or if I come down to the altar and realize you're offended at me, what the Bible says is that I go to you. And the second step is then you call on some witnesses if it can't be resolved, and you bring those witnesses in. And then if that still can't be resolved, then you make it public to the church and handle it that way above all love you know when I was uh, Friday when I preached I, I talked about that given enough time things will heal I'm going to tell you as I said Friday I'm going to say it again time doesn't heal it's only Jesus that heals you can't ignore it and, and to cover the offense doesn't mean to ignore what's going on Matter of fact, Scripture is quite clear about that how we relate to one another, that we speak truth and love to one another, that we have those difficult conversations. But I'm going to tell you this morning that nothing can completely heal our wounded heart but Jesus. And if you have gone through, whether it been something with a parent or grandparent or family member or spouse or whatever it is that has caused that hurt, I want you to know that Jesus can heal it. First Peter 5, 7, it's the same verses I use. Casting all your anxieties, all your cares on Jesus because he cares for you. Fear not, for I am with you. 41, Isaiah 41, 10. I am your God and I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold 
told you, Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Psalm 55, 22, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Psalm 147, 3, he heals the broken and binds up the wound. Psalm 62, 8. Trust in him at all times. I tell you what, I was so thankful that uh, I, I, somebody else posted that scripture, and I read it Friday, and I was like, that, I mean, I was, that's exactly where I was going. Trust him at all times. Pour out your heart before God. He's a refuge. Listen to me, scars are the proof that the, though the enemy tried hard, he did not succeed. Scars are proof that the enemy tried hard, but he didn't win. He didn't destroy you or your family. The weapon formed against you did not prosper. Scars, listen to me, scars are the deadly wounds inflicted that have been healed by God. A fruitful life is no accident. It's about making the right choice. Above all, keep loving earnestly, eagerly, for love covers a multitude of sin. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that this message was an encouragement to you. Remember, you can find more about us at odessafirstassembly.com and also across the social media platforms. It is our prayer that God blesses you, keeps you, sustains you. And if you're ever in the area of the Permian Basin, come and join us at Odessa First Assembly. God bless you.